0: welcome to the winning with shopify
1: podcast this is the podcast to help you scale your shopify store into a money-making machine this podcast is brought to you by Yotpo. make retention easy and affordable with Yotpo subscriptions download Yotpo subscriptions from the
0: shopify app store today and visit apps.shopify.com slash
1: yatpo dash subscription now over to your host nick truman Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Winning with Shopify podcast. For anyone who's here for the first time, welcome. It's an absolute pleasure to have you with us. If you're a long-term subscriber and you've been listening to every single show and haven't missed one, thank you so much. It's great to have you guys out there. It'd be really awkward if we were doing all of this and nobody was listening. Um, If I could ask for one quick favor, and I've been doing this a lot recently because we're really trying to push things forward and try and grow our audience base, and most importantly, use that to get better speakers... So, if I could ask you to do one thing, please just go and hit the subscribe button if you haven't already. And if you have already, today's job is to go and leave us a quick review. Give us the five-star, I don't know what the other options are, but just give us a nice big five-star review. And um, that'd be absolutely brilliant and a quick couple of lines onto why you like the show. And if you could do that on your favorite podcasting platform, whether you're on, I know most of you on iTunes, people on Google Podcasts, Amazon, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So if you go and do that, that'd be absolutely amazing. So, as you've probably seen from the title and description for today's episode, we're going to be talking about SMS marketing marketing. But more importantly than that, how you can make money from SMS and even something we're going to come into a little bit later. Is it possible to make money and have a sale or a transaction happen with a single click on an SMS message? And we're going to answer that question as we go through. As always, I am not qualified to be talking about this stuff on my own because I don't know everything, but we have lots of guests that do know a lot of things. Today's guest is Ulsa And he's the CEO of Parrot. And we're going to be talking a lot more about Parrot as we go through. So also, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Great stuff. It's lovely to have you with us. And as we always do with all of our guests, Johnny, give us a quick overview to yourself, a little bit about your background and how you ended up running Parrot.
0: Definitely, definitely. Uh, I'm Nigerian-American, came here as a kid, studied computer science, and then uh, worked at various startups. The last place I worked was MailChimp, the email marketing platform where I led Mm -hmm. Payment. Since then, we, we started Parrot really with the vision to help uh, brand's transition from email uh, to SMS over the next 10 years and that's
1: uh, what we're focused on. Awesome. Awesome. And tell us a bit about Parrot then. You know, what what is Parrot because uh, you know the, with, with the day and age we're in the word parrot to me sounds like something that sits on your shoulder and copies things you say which can be quite annoying. So what what is it was your tech company Parrot? What do you guys do?
0: Yeah, Parrot is a mobile payments platform. What we really focus on is helping brands collect payment for the first time using their checkout on the website. But more importantly, we use the phone number as the primary identifier so that when someone buys something with their phone number, we can remember who they are, save their credit card for later. And then when they're sitting on their couch watching television, we can help that brand get in touch with them over text and help them collect payment for additional items. So think buying something the first time from Nike and then being able to buy a pair of socks over text two, three
1: months later. Wow. Okay. So. I've been in the industry for 15 years, and this to me is completely new, I think, in terms of making transactions over at SMS. So obviously I'm used to some companies you can um, you know, opt in and we're going to talk about some of the regulations later as well. But you'd opt in and they would send you text messages saying, you know, the big game's about to start, et cetera, et cetera. Why don't you order a pizza? And Domino's, certainly here in the UK, Domino's do that sort of thing a lot. But obviously actually making a transaction over text message, I guess the first question really is, is it safe? You know, is that something that is safe to do? Can that go wrong? Great question. Great question. You know,
0: my my experience with SMS and transactions really came out of going back to Nigeria where I was born, um, after about twenty years of not being there. And that's where I really saw that, you know, SMS payments had become widespread, both in Africa and in Asia. And so when I came back to this US and I tried to figure out, well, why isn't it safe? Why isn't it widespread? And what we realized was that the the security infrastructure didn't exist. So although uh, your your credit card company in the U.S. or even in Europe might send you a text message and say, "Hey, uh, did you authorize this transaction?" Reply yes to this text message, and we'll you know allow the transaction to happen. Um, that that is very secure because your bank and your credit card company have spent a lot of time making sure that when they confirm something over text, it is indeed you that that is making that transaction happen. But the challenge is most brands in America, uh, most e commerce brands, especially, they don't have that kind of infrastructure where they can securely authorize payments over text. And that's why Unlike your bank, um, it would not be safe if you were doing that with most
1: brands today. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And I think a, a really good example of that, actually, um, and I know you guys have this in the US because some of our US clients use it with us, is Go Cardless, which is the alternative to a direct debit payment. But Go Cardless, they, they basically become the direct debit collector for businesses because mm. actually, we as a small agency, we would never have enough money going. I think it's like a million pounds a day or something that has to go through a bank account in the UK under banking regulations. And it's similar in the US to be able to Mm. actually set up a direct debit. You have to be above that level, which actually I think if the consumers knew that they would be a lot more comfortable setting up direct debits with companies knowing that it wouldn't be possible unless they were above a certain point anyway. So um, yeah, I think, yeah, as you say, not comfortable doing that if it was just with a normal consumer brand, but a platform like you guys, you connect that gap because I guess from a, you you must've done a lot of research into this, I guess from a consumer point of view, it must be a bit scary the first time that you're like, if I just reply to this text, I pay some money. Yeah, it is. It's very, very scary, especially if you've never transacted
0: with that business over text before, or in in another situation, you may have never even received text messages from that business before. So Mm. uh, it really can be confusing when you're being prompted to pay. Whereas with your bank, you know, You know, it's Capital One texting you to confirm your payment. You know, it's Bank of America texting you to confirm, you know, that it's not fraud, right? Yeah. yeah. And you're waiting for that text as well, aren't you? So it's like, it's an expected thing. Exactly. It's a a normal part of your routine. And I think that that's going to be the challenge for a lot of American brands is to figure out how they can become part of the phone conversation with that consumer that
1: is similar to the conversation that consumer has with their bank. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Cool. Well, let's talk about the difference between desktop and mobile, kind of taking a massive step back then. So the world's moved on. Not everybody kind of goes home and sits on the computer and uses a big screen to buy products now. And I think Shopify and especially the shop app on Shopify has changed a lot of that sort of stuff. So what are some of the differences you guys have seen in you know, your research and seeing the way, uh, the way your customers use um, the difference between mobile and obviously doing payments over SMS to what's going on on desktop?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. You know, for me, when I came to the US, this is 20 years ago, Yeah, uh, it wasn't commonplace that anyone would shop uh, on, on a desktop, right? It was sort of, you know, sort of a few and far between. Um, we're talking the early days of amazon and what's happened really with the last 20 years is everyone's really adopted desktop in the us right every Mm. kid you know at 13 has a laptop but what we're now seeing is that that internet traffic that primarily was desktop oriented has shifted drastically to mobile the most important thing to keep in mind is that 80 percent of all internet shopping traffic right people looking for something to buy are on a device now and so For a lot of retailers, especially e-commerce retailers we talk to, what used to be an online store is now, for all intents and purposes, a mobile store because all of their customers are on a phone. And so that's been a big challenge that we think brands are are struggling with and will continue to struggle with, especially as Gen Z folks begin to uh, have a, a larger purchasing power across the landscape.
1: Definitely. And I think you, you spoke about people shopping on a mobile device. One of the biggest problems I see with um, store owners again and again and again is that so many of them, and, and, I, and I do it as well, I work in an agency and I sit here, of course, on my laptop, which is a desktop, you know, for all mm-hmm. intents and purposes. Mm-hmm. And I sit there on my desktop all day looking at client sites and going, that's good, that's bad, that's rubbish, that's amazing. What we you know need to be doing more of, and we do have some emulators, which basically make a mobile site on your desktop screen, is looking at mobile first and actually going, look, this all looks great, but when you get onto a mobile device, you've got four overlays and pop-ups. Absolute nightmare. And as you say, your, your customers are sitting there on the sofa at home on the mobile device. And it, it's amazing as well, I think, how many journeys now start with somebody sitting... I don't know, in the pub or at dinner, or I don't know why I thought of food on but all the examples, but um, <laughs> where somebody's sitting there and you're having a conversation with somebody, and someone says, I mean, I, I love the one where somebody says, like, oh, did you know this fact? And you kind of go, whoa, 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 that's not true. And you kind of like, I'm Googling it. And you go straight into Google to find out what's going on. And it's the same with products. You know, somebody, says, well, that's a really nice pair of shoes and you tell them where they're from, then what's the first thing they're going to do? Google it on their phone. And I just think it's it's such a different environment to actually where I think a lot of the merchants are actually at, at the moment. And I think that is something that definitely needs to change.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. And one thing, you know, to your point is, I think a lot of merchants we talk to are, they're working on their computers, right? They're, they're building their own experiences, their stores on their computers. So mm. it's very hard for them at times to sort of pause for a bit and think about, well, is my customer ever going to have the same experience that I'm having with this essentially piece of software, right? Your your e-commerce side of software. And so what we recommend merchants to do, whether they're texting or not, is take a step back and just stop using your computer to view your website for a week. Just only force yourself to use your phone to use your own website, because that's going to really help you start to figure out, um, do you have usability issues? Do you have responsiveness issues? And do you really need to even focus on desktop or should you spend a lot more time on mobile? But I think it really starts with making sure that you're having that same experience your customer is having instead of you know looking at mobile once a week and spending most of your time optimizing for the experience you're having on your laptop
1: yeah definitely definitely and i think going back to sms as well that's where things are really changing um sorry not just in sms but that's an example of where things are starting to change and actually making the shopping journey as we've spoken about with with you guys taking payments and again we'll talk more about that as we go through but that again is, is starting to change things because that is another function of the mobile phone that is starting to then change the buying behavior in the same way that things like um apple pay and a- android pay you know on, on a shopify store you're not even putting your credit card details in anymore and then th- things like delivery you're not waiting for the parcel just to arrive like you used to on kind of ordering over the phone or ordering in a store and it's going to arrive in 2 or 3 weeks time like a new sofa or something you're getting text message updates you're getting um you know you can log into the shop app on shopify and that will show you where all of your deliveries and and also in case anyone doesn't know it also tracks your amazon deliveries so you can integrate it with Amazon and anything you've ordered on Amazon or a Shopify store will appear in there, which is pretty cool. But as we've said, you know, SMS is starting to become a much bigger part of that mobile journey, isn't it?
0: It is. It is. And I think, you know, as you called out earlier, for a lot of merchants, the, the question is, if everything's becoming mobile, right? If my customer is on a phone and they're shopping on my site on a phone, they're Expecting communication on their phone, even if they don't get it, they're expecting it because they're on their phone all day. Yep. They're thinking, "Well, Amazon notifies me. Why don't you, as a merchant, right?" And and the answer, I think, for a lot of merchants is, "I don't know how to be Amazon, right?" Like being Amazon is a difficult thing. Building really good experiences. If I'm on Shopify, then that that at least helps me because I can begin to use the shop app to to fill in some gaps in my mobile. Uh, experience. But I think for a lot of merchants, that is going to be a difficult challenge, especially if you uh, don't want to go sell on Amazon, or if you don't want to, maybe you've outgrown Shopify, right? Like that's going to be a big challenge. SMS can be part of your toolset to solve that, but it cannot solve all of it. Because um, as you called out, there are some hard things around delivery notifications, you have to figure out as a merchant, um, and and even things, you know, around um, customer service, right? Because Amazon will do customer service, on a native mobile app but you as a merchant might not be able to give a mobile app to someone so they still might need to email you and call you and and so you have to kind of think about the whole mobile experience if indeed
1: mobile is you know the largest part of your traffic uh, as a merchant i think that you'd struggle to find products these days where it wasn't i mean there's definitely larger ticket items but even then i when I bought my most recent car, I was looking on my phone a lot, you know, every time I saw a car, a car go by and I was like, that one looks quite nice, let's have a look at that. I'd just be on my phone, be walking along, go on your phone, and have a quick look at these things. And I think, again, I think that, that all starts to play into, as you say, thinking about what is our mobile journey. It, it drives me mad sometimes when, uh, when small brands start launching iPhone apps. And I think the difference between like Amazon and ASOS, you know, and all these big companies and eBay, the difference between them and a store, let's say it sells, um, I don't know, bath soap, you know, a nice kind of beauty cosmetic stuff. The difference is you, you only buy that sort of once a month or every couple of months or it might be a treat. Therefore, you're only ordering it two or three times a year. Whereas how often do you, do you want to order things from Amazon and eBay where actually, they have a huge archive of things. So I think, you know, you you very rightly said, we've got to really be careful as merchants. We've got to have a real think about what is our mobile and digital footprint on a mobile device. So I guess the big question then is where where does Parrot fit into that? Like, you know, what sort of parts of the SMS journey do you guys then start to solve as well as, you know, you've mentioned very briefly that I'm desperate to hear more about um, how we can get people to actually make a purchase just on a text message, you know, where, where does Parrot fit into uh, fit into that journey?
0: So the the biggest thing that we think about at Parrot is, you know, if I'm a merchant and I'm not on Amazon and ideally uh, I'm not on Shopify, right? Because again, Shopify has helped merchants solve these problems. But let's say I'm a, a merchant making a few million a year and I'm not on, on Shopify and I am i don't want to go to Amazon, right? That's not how I want to sell. Um, The first problem you have to solve is, when someone comes to my website especially on a phone i don't really want them to have to put in their credit card every time they buy right that's just a that's a thing that on desktop is sort of solved because a lot of folks have password managers i i use lastpass yeah, yeah. but on my on my phone sometimes that's not really solved right in many cases uh, we've seen 85% of consumers just give up when they're paying on their phone because it's so difficult to have to go run to the other room get your car and you may be on the go and so one thing we tell merchants is step 1 If someone's on a phone collect their phone number as soon as they start checking out because at least you can remind them about the checkout later yeah yeah. but secondarily when you do collect their credit card i try to save it save it somewhere and attach it to their phone number so when they come back on their phone again you can remember it's them and you can remember it's the same phone um there are different ways to solve that problem but that is an important thing the merchants have to think about on a phone is because it's so hard to pay on the phone you have to make sure that you try to remember who is actually paying when they come back. That way, if you do have repeat customers, which you should, uh, then they have that Amazon-like experience of, oh, it's it, it's me, I'm back and I'm buying again. And we think that's how brands can begin to build real uh, lifetime value as opposed to being focused on trying to build a mobile app. Because again, it, what's really important on the phone is being able to remember who the person is and being able to check them out as quickly as possible when they come back. So that's the first thing that Parrot helps you with is helping you remember who the person is and use their phone number as a way to to recall them when they come back to your website but the second thing that merchants always ask us is well i've got a phone number now for this person i have a credit card saved on file for them so i can remember them on the website yeah how do i get in front of them how do i get them to buy more stuff today a lot of merchants you know i've seen hundreds of thousands of these kinds of merchants at Mailchimp, they, they primarily use email to get in touch with that person again. And now these merchants are saying, well, my open rates for email are close to 10%. How do I make sure that when I get in front of someone, they actually see the message I have for them? If it's a recommended product, they can you know see the product. And ideally, they should be able to transact, right, buy it as quickly as possible. And so what Parrot helps you do, because we have a phone number and a credit card that we've saved for that person, is we can help you reach out to them and say, hey, uh, here's another pair of shoes you might like, or another uh, pair uh, of, of, of gloves you might like that might go with the outfit you bought last month. Do you want to fly thumbs up, to buy it. And we think for most merchants, that's the right way to use SMS is to engage and transact uh, with saved credit cards as opposed to
1: simply spamming people with discount codes. I think what's amazing about that, and again, kind of popping back into the c- security bit, which I, I immediately had a thousand questions and you've answered about 999 of them. Um, but the, <laughs> I think going back to the kind of security side of things, I think the fact that it's already on file, when they're responding with a thumbs up, you're not asking for any confidential information or anything like that at all. And then the next text I, I assume says, you know, your order's been placed, it'll be dispatched shortly, et cetera, and we've sent you a confirmation email. Which then means you know you're in that normal flow, you've paid with a card, but you've not, basically parted with any kind of confidential information in this text message in the same way a lot of banks when they're asking you for confirmation or whatever or they're saying we sent a text could you read it out to me you know while you're in the branch or you're on the phone to your bank etc you're expecting it so i guess the the security there is actually everything's sitting in a nice confidential system and actually if this text message was spam or wasn't real well you've not asked for anything apart from just give us a thumbs up if you want this product and then the product's sent out There is no confidential information being taken there at all, is there?
0: Spot on, spot on. And to really hit things home here, Parrot is a venture-backed startup. We raised, you know, two million bucks. And we spent a year, right, a year of engineering time um, really building that secure vault that you're talking about. Because we realized that it's really important that no information be transmitted Uh, A thumbs up should be okay, like we don't need you to type out your credit card again over text. We don't need you to send us your social security number over text. And so what's really important about that is, to your point, it it really needs to be secure and and Parrot is is the first and only system that can really do this for brands. And so we, we, we spent a laborious amount of time making sure that this was secure enough that we could put our own money, right? Like we, the people who work at Parrot use Parrot, like we buy stuff. Um, from merchants who sell on Parrot, because we think it's really important that we have our own credit cards in the system. And long-term, we think that trust is going to be integral to making sure that consumers feel safe when they're interacting, uh, but also so that merchants feel confident and can really leverage this new form of payment.
1: Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I think, yeah, I think, as you say, it's it's in that secure system. I mean, God forbid anybody managed to hack it uh, or anything happened, and I'm laughing nervously, not laughing at you. Um, But the... (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that, that, that would be absolutely terrible. I think it's, it's so important to make sure you've got that, obviously. I mean, how often do we turn on the news and find there's been a data breach somewhere and it's all gone terribly wrong? Unfortunately, our government in the UK seems to do that from time to time, which I won't, I won't discuss today. We don't, we don't talk about politics too much on the show, <laughs> unless you guys in America are asking us about Brexit, which is always hilarious. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think, you know, as, as you say, I think having that, having that interaction where there's a text message, it's on a secure system, I think is absolutely brilliant. How does it integrate with things then? Because I guess that's always a big challenge, isn't it? And most apps we talk to, most systems, most bits of software. The big question is, well, what happens when somebody calls up and says, well, I sent a thumbs up to your text message and I was expecting my product and it hasn't turned up or the wrong one's turned up. How does this integrate with all the other systems? So you've got your customer service, your Shopify, your inventory, your warehouse. How does it all synchronize together?
0: yeah yeah so the first thing a merchant does when they come to parrot is we have a conversation it's usually a a 30 minute call over zoom um the first thing we do is we connect their existing e-commerce platform to their parrot account so we'll make an account for them get them get them ready for a free trial a pilot and and the reason we do that is because when parrot connects to your e-commerce store we need to know everything about it right we need to know who your existing customers are so we know if they come back right, and they want to buy over text, we already know who they are, we have their phone number, we know what they bought before. Mm-hmm. But we also uh, ingest or we, we collect information about all your products, all of your taxes, your shipping information. That way, when someone's interacting over text, when they say thumbs up, yes, I want to buy that pair of socks, we can actually create the order and send the order to your e-commerce system so that your people who are fulfilling are the warehouses, your your customer care agents, everyone is aware because Parrot does the hard work of creating that order in your system. Um, And that's non-trivial, but we think it's really important that um, we be able to secure the payment, but also then securely create the order. That way we know what happened. And we can also help the merchant prevent fraud, right? Because as you can imagine, people might try to abuse that, that system. And so we've done a lot of hard work to make that possible. But for the merchant, what it really looks like is connect your store and then watch
1: orders flow back into your store as they happen over text. Nice. And I'm looking at your website, you guys obviously integrate with Shopify, Shopify Plus, WooCommerce, BigCommerce, Magento, like pretty much the sort of standard suite of e-commerce platforms now. Exactly. Exactly. And we also have a
0: REST API for merchants who are, you know, we've heard some merchants say, you know, I use a headless e-commerce platform or I Mm -hmm. use some serverless Gatsby style uh, e-commerce tools. And what we tell them is, hey, we've got a REST API. So if you've got an engineer already or a couple of engineers on your team who are building um, your e-commerce stack for you. Um, It's very simple to integrate Parrot that way if you don't use one of the more uh, common e-commerce platforms.
1: No, it sounds good. And I, I think, it's as I sort of said earlier, if it doesn't integrate with your existing system, it can be, especially something like a payment gateway, you know, or a payment system like you guys are, it can be such a nightmare. We, we've had clients in the past, and I've seen businesses where you've got like three or four different systems and a customer calls up about an order, And then you have to go through sort of three different systems to find that order and go, Oh yeah, it's on the system, but it didn't tell the warehouse to dispatch products. That's not happened. And it's just a complete nightmare. And we've had a few guests on the show actually who used to come from the old sort of, uh, you know, 1996, 97, like really, really long ago, um, in the in which I was well alive at that point. Um, but yeah, way back in the nineties where you were building stuff, you know, completely manually. And if you wanted to suddenly take American Express payments as well as Visa and MasterCard, well, you had to go away and build that into your infrastructure to recognize an American Express um, code and make sure it's synchronized with the bank and sends all the information back. Yeah, so I think having it all integrated all in one place is absolutely fundamental. So I guess the really big thing to touch on today then is more on the kind of marketing side then more on the the execution of this, you know, the tactics to use obviously email is pretty closely linked to SMS, isn't it? So where do we start? Like, you know, somebody is sitting there going, yeah, you know, we, we sell the same sort of products and we'd love to just text people and say, would you like another, another you know, round of your um, same order you've had the last five times, another one of them sent out? Where's a good place to start with this kind of thing? Like, is there anything to be learned from email, for example? Yeah, I mean, I think what we've learned from email, especially over the last you know, really 10 years,
0: especially as email marketing has really hit a stride, is that consumers do want to be engaged, right? Like mm. People do want to hear from your business, they, you know, the email marketing was really great at storytelling, right? The best email marketers we know are really storytellers, really writing newsletters at first, right? But sort yeah. of using products, um as, as part of the narrative, right? And I think the best brands have used email as a way to really deeply connect with their with their audience. I think the worst brands, unfortunately, have used email uh, essentially as a tactic to avoid paying for an ad. Right? Is I, I, I want to pay for an ad, so I'm just gonna, you know, spam people ten times a week with email because advertising is more expensive. I think the right way to think about SMS, if we want to learn from email, is to think about how to tell those same narratives, right? That create real engaging content for your audience, right? Your customers or your potential customers over SMS. And you can segment them, right? You can talk to certain people based on what you know they bought, based on what you know they care about, based on what they've told you they care about. Um, And I think that's the right way to be thinking about SMS. And the reason we think about that that way is because one out of 10 people based on, you know, industry benchmarks will open your email. Nine out of 10 will open your SMS. Mm. So you have to remember that when you send someone a text, no matter how relevant you think it is, they will read it and they will associate that text message with your brand. and And so, if you want people to associate your brand with, especially if they're an existing customer, if you want them to associate your brand with, let's say you're, you're a brand who makes, uh, you know, organic protein bars. If you want them to associate your brand with, you know, organic food with with Uh, the environment, for instance, with sustainability, you should be telling stories over text once a week about those things or about your other customers, you should be sharing user generated content over text. And we think most brands don't really understand email marketing. And so they don't think about SMS marketing that way, or even SMS that way. They think of it more so as a a cheap tool to re-engage, a cheap tool to retarget. But we think, again, that's the wrong way to think about email especially as you look at the best brands over the last 10 years. And it's also the wrong way to think about SMS, the right ways to think about building relationships
1: and telling the story about your brand. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I mean, something you just touched on there, I think is really important about SMS is not just the open rates, but that, that then leads me to think that SMS is quite an untapped market. And I, I've certainly been surprised how slowly just the kind of whole digital e-commerce industry how slowly it's actually started to catch up with the whole process of SMS. And I, I thought that any way, from a marketing point of view, any way to get in front of somebody quickly, and if you think how, how much your phone travels with you and every text gets read, looked at, you know, you said nine out of 10 people open text messages. If you compare that to how busy and spammy an email inbox is, I've certainly been surprised how slowly people have started using SMS. And I think it's probably twofold. One, as you say, they don't understand email, they don't understand SMS, the technology, what's possible, what's okay. And I think secondly is the regulations around email. You almost feel like you can just spam email as much as you want. So let's talk about regulations very briefly and then we'll come back to the marketing bit. But regulations with SMS, like how do you keep it legal? Like what is certainly, you know, you're obviously based in the US, it's similar in the UK. Let's talk about the US. You know, what what are some of those regulations that brands need to remember when using SMS to communicate with customers?
0: The, the most important regulation to keep in mind in the U.S. is the TCPA, the Telephone Consumer Protection Act. And essentially it says in, in broad strokes that if a merchant does not have explicit permission to text somebody and they do indeed text that person, for every text message they send, the business has to pay $500. And so you can imagine if you're a brand and you're texting people who maybe you didn't get to opt in, or maybe they opted in, but they didn't really know they're opting in because you, you know, didn't make it clear on the form, you're exposing yourself to a lot of risk. And there are now in fact, trolls, TCPA trolls, similar to patent trolls, who just really look for brands to to go after who are essentially abusing SMS. And so what's, what's really happened as a result of that is uh, one brands have been wary of adopting SMS, especially if they Currently, do email in a way that would make SMS expensive, right? Mm -hmm. Um, If you're already spamming people over email, you know that if you do that over SMS, you're going to get hurt. And so most brands say, we're not going to adopt SMS because we don't even know how to do it well. And then the second thing that's been happening as a result of that is that the carriers, particularly AT&T, Verizon, T-Mobile, so on and so forth, have been also restricting brands, right? They've You know, not explicitly done this for a lot of brands, but what they'll do is if they see that the traffic you're sending is not getting responded to by consumers or consumers are replying stop to opt out, they will actually stop delivering your messages and they won't tell you, they'll just silently stop delivering your messages. And so instead of getting nine out of 10 people to see your message, you might start having really weird situations where only four out of 10 people see your message. Although the carriers told you it was delivered, they just didn't actually, you know, send it all the way through to the handset. And so we think it's really important to think about those things from a regulatory perspective is that as it becomes easier to text people from a technology perspective, the carriers and the government will continue to be hard on brands because again, what we're seeing in the email marketing world is not good. And so what we don't want to happen is email marketing to transform into SMS, because that's gonna be expensive for everyone.
1: So I guess the you know just the, I I I've been told by our lawyer we don't need to say this but I always feel the need to. Um but we we're not giving legal advice here at all. But what I'm hearing and you know with some of the things to do at is number one is understand your customer. So when you do text them it's not a big shock and actually they're like oh cool this brand's texting me and actually that's a good text you know they're, they're offering me something or they're telling me I might be interested in something that's just arrived and I do like that brand. And so I think number one is understanding the customer. Number two is making sure they've opted in make sure they've done something say yes i would like to be on the text message you know the text message list or to receive text from this business is that correct yeah exactly exactly and then the third thing is yeah don't spam do it in moderation maybe do a few test it see what happens but yeah i certainly i mean as you say like what we're seeing on email there are businesses that i think we can all think of the top of our head that email every single day and some of them i just find it bizarre that they think you know sending me a Uh, An email every single day is going to get me to purchase again, especially when the thing I've purchased is like an enormous bit of furniture for my house. Like, how big do you think my house is? Like, I've got my sofa. I I don't need 10 more. And I certainly won't be buying another one for five years now. And I therefore do not need, you know, if you take five years, that's, you know, even weekly emails, that's 250 weekly emails I'm going to be receiving before I'm ready to even think about a new sofa. Well, 365 times five, that's 1,800 emails they're going to send me, which if, if, if I was getting text messages like that, I would, you know, a bit like you mentioned T-Mobile, I, I'd be phoning my carrier to be like, can you make this stop? Mm. You know, I get a text message every day. And there are some text message lists I've, I've ended up on, and I've contacted the company and say why I've ended up on this? And they're like, oh, it's because you bought from us. And sort of, you know, I did once, but I didn't know I was opting into this thing. And so I think understanding what their consumer rights are and making sure that opt-out and stuff is super simple, and I think if you get all of that right, going back to everything else we've spoken about, so we're not putting everybody off this idea, uh, but <laughs> going back to what we've been talking about, there's, there's a lot of fruit. You know, if you get these things right and you do it properly, you can cut above the noise and get those messages in there. So what does that do for, you know, and I know the answer to this, but, you know, what, what are your thoughts overall on the topic of lifetime value? You know, what does it do to the lifetime value of your customers if you can get text messages to work and if you can get people purchasing through, you know, replying to a text?
0: Yeah, I, I think you're asking a really fundamental question for a lot of brands, which is, do you care about lifetime value? And we, we talked a lot of brands You don't, right? Let's. I mean, for them, they really need you to buy something once and they've already paid back their CAC, right? Maybe they, they get you to buy something twice and they pay back their CAC. They don't really need you to be a customer for five, six years. They don't even need you to be a customer for more than three months, Yeah. especially if it's a high ticket item. So for a lot of those brands, we found that they're able to engage in marketing practices that um, to some level don't value the customer, right? Because it's it's really just a retargeting ad and hopefully you buy something again, It, it doesn't matter. So I can spam you as much as I want, but for the brands who really care about lifetime value, which is really about making sure the customer cares about your brand, feels attached to your brand for 12, 24 months, 36 months even, we think it's really important the brand ask three questions. One, do you have a way to directly have a conversation with that customer in real time? Two, do you have a credit card on file for that customer that you can easily charge again? Uh, and then three, does that customer want to engage with you? Right? Do they care about your brand? And I think if, if those three things are not true, um, there are probably a list of other items, but if those three things at a priori are not true, then I, I think you as a brand have a lot of challenges when it comes to lifetime value because what you're really trying to do instead of having a conversation that leads to a purchase is you're really trying to spam this person because they're not really your customer. They're really just a, an email in the database, uh, a database, a Facebook audience member ID. Um, you don't really think about lifetime value, right? You're thinking not about lifetime value. You're thinking primarily about uh, metrics, re-engagement, unsubscribe rates, just weird things that have nothing to do with.
1: It's almost smash and grab, isn't it? It's just, I could send them a text right now make a bit of quick cash. And you're not thinking about what you could make tomorrow if you actually kept them happy.
0: Exactly, exactly.
1: Cool, I like that. So do you have a way to talk to your customers in real time? Obviously SMS solves that. Do you have their credit card on file? And obviously Parrot solves that. Does the customer want to engage, which unfortunately SMS and Parrot won't be able to solve that necessarily. But, again, a lot of this stuff comes back to who you are as a brand and what you stand for. I I, I use an example quite a lot because, A, it's a hot topic I'm quite passionate about, and secondly, it's a hot topic for customers, which makes it important. And that is how much we're taking care of our world at the moment and the environment and climate change and oceans rising and the uses of plastic and all this kind of stuff so again if you can build that rapport with your customers because you're you're looking after the planet and you're really thinking about the way you do things and it might be that you actually even do something every time somebody buys a product for example doing good i think can make such a big difference and then Engaging with your customers is less about, as you say, let's hit them and spam them with a text message, and it starts to very quickly become a lot more about we're on this journey together. The you know the the merchant and the customers we're on this journey together. We're going in the same direction. We both want the same thing, which is we want to have a better world. And I think it becomes much more a much more exciting proposition to customers as well at that stage. And I. You know, using a quote from somebody who was on the show, I think, two years ago now, if you see Amazon as the dark side, we are the Rebel Alliance. Uh, <laughs> to use a Star Wars <laughs> reference. Um, we are the Rebel Alliance fighting back with Shopify and going, no, don't go to these massive great marketplace sites. Come direct to us, you will have a better experience and we will have a one-to-one relationship between the merchant and and the uh, and the customer and i think that's really really important to to start thinking about that you know coming back to your your point number three does the customer even want to engage and i i find sometimes that uh, brands can be really hesitant to want to send out communications and the classic one is uh, review platforms so they're quite hesitant to get a review platform and let customers leave reviews because you think all your customers are going to go oh no these guys were rubbish and everyone's going to badmouth you and then eventually you can, we convince the brand to do it. They do it. And actually it's just full of fruit. And, you know, they get a 4.8 star rating overnight and, and everybody loves it. And I think, yeah, sometimes you've you got to take a bit of a risk, but getting customers to want to engage comes back to, are you a good business? Are you selling the right thing? Are you selling it in a good way? You know, you're giving the customer a good experience, basically.
0: Yeah, completely agree. Yeah, I completely agree. Experience is, uh, experience is really going to help brands win. And I think the brands that, that focus on it, that prioritize it, especially when it comes to, to mobile, uh, are are going to, you know, really, really thrive over the next
1: 10 years. Cool. Well, look, let's come into land with the big final question. For anyone who's sitting there going, all right, this thing sounds great. You know, you guys have a conversation with me first over Zoom. How do they book that? What's the easiest way to reach out to you guys? Yeah, just go to getparrot.com.
0: That's G-E-T-P-A-R-R-O-T.com. And you can fill out form there to get a demo and, and we'll get on a call with you. You can also watch a video and, and see how it works. But we've got a ton of resources on there as well about SMS, about payments. Um, so if you want to learn more about you know these kinds of things, uh, we're always writing content to educate merchants around how SMS works, how payments works, uh, and how you can uh, really think about mobile over the
1: next 10 years. Amazing. it well, thank you so much for joining the show today. It's been great to have you with us. Thank you so much for having us. It's been great great stuff and for everybody else listening as always we'll be back again next week um apologies we've had a few ropey months recently where we haven't posted partly because a couple of guests have um, had to cancel last minute and also because i've been away a little bit but we have got loads of stuff stacked up so we hope you tune in every week again if you haven't hit the subscribe button please hit that now and we look forward to having you with us again soon
0: thanks for listening to today's podcast You can subscribe to our weekly newsletter for exclusive offers at winningwithshopify.com. And don't forget to check out our Facebook group by searching for Winning with Shopify on Facebook. Over and out.